Hey everybody, this is Christian Brothers Be Podcast, and you know I love to hear everyone's comments. I truly appreciate the support you guys have been given, and let me tell you something, it's been growing, and I can definitely see a lot of new places popping up every time I click around. So, if you want to let me know exactly what you want to hear, please let me know. Simply go to brotherspeakpod.net, which is actually the website, or just simply log on and tell me what your comments are directly underneath each episode. Tell me if you like it, tell me if you didn't. Go on iTunes, let me know, hey, you like me or not? You know, I want to know exactly what's going on and what you want to hear, what things, how much deeper should I go, all the other stuff. So please tune in every single week. We have a new episode all the time, but I love to hear from my audience. And I want to hear from you. This is Christian Brothers B Podcast. And now to our podcast. Uh, this is Christian Brothers B Podcast, where we interview the innovative, the daring, and the bold, providing performative topics for the black LGBT. And I have a guest today who is actually the president and CEO of the Center for Black Equity, Inc., which is basically a correlation of black pride organizers within the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, and South Africa, formed to promote a multinational network of LGBT pride and community-based organizations. And his name is Mr. Earl D. Folks. How you doing, Earl? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. All right. All right. And happy Pride Month, by the way. Same to you. Thank you. <laughs> you know... I wanted to bring I wanted to bring a representative on the show for particular reasons because I wanted to find out when it comes to Black Pride, all the Black Pride of organizations and festivals and, and events that we're coming across across the United States. What is the state of Pride right now? Um, there's there's definitely been some goods. There's been some lessons. There's definitely been a lot of things, and I wanted to kind of inform the audience in terms of one, why it's so important to support these events. Two, what exactly we need to be able to continue to elevate it, make it better, or what things we need to change it up, and what things have we learned from the past. Is that fair? That's very fair. And um, and I would have to start off by saying that many people don't understand the roots of Black Pride. Uh, I had to run into a situation where someone told me that Black Pride was a, a celebration of Stonewall Riots of 1969. And, and it is not. And Black Pride is not the same as Community Pride. It's not a celebration of the Stonewall Riots. It's actually a continuation of Black LGBTQ people who have been for years, back into the 20s, creating safe spaces that can buffer them from homophobia and racism. So if you look at the Harlem Renaissance, that's the roots of Black Pride. If you look at the parties that used to happen, that still happen, on Penn Relay Weekend in Philadelphia, the Penn Relays takes place in the last weekend of April since the nineteen since the eighteen eighties. There have been parties going back to the thirties that black LGBT people came together and, and, and took over someone's basement and had a basement party. And you look at Atlanta, the parties going back on Labor Day weekend from the sixties and seventies. It's a continuation of a tradition of creating safe spaces. And so the state of black pride is actually a very interesting question because um, black prides continue to grow and and we, each year we add new prides on this year Richmond, Virginia is doing the first black pride. Awesome. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And and Alabama and Birmingham, Alabama is renewing a pride. They used to do prides a, a while ago, black prides. Now they're starting their first black pride in about 15 years. And so, and you look at places like Lexington, Kentucky that's having their second black pride. So it's not just Atlanta, L.A., D.C., and the big cities, it's the smaller cities because they need a sense of community and they want community 
and they want to be connected to the people who live in their communities. Right. And that's why Pride's continued to thrive. Um, I can go. I can tell you that DC Black Pride, which I'm intimately, intimately involved in, we had a we broke all of our records this year. We had over a thousand people on open reception um, wow. when we when we used to have several hundred. We had a, we had an awards uh, ceremony that had over 350 people, and that we gave John Lewis, a representative from Georgia, the civil rights icon, an award, and we broke our record. Um, we had records at the Poetry Slam. We had a ballroom with divided up into four parts, and we were using two of the four parts. And so many people kept coming, we had to take down the walls of the, to open up the third and the fourth parts. We have over 400 people. So the fact of the matter is, people want community. They also want to socialize with people who look like them and who are part of the community. And Black Pride provides that. Now, now some of the prides are stronger than other prides, and some of the prides draw more people than other prides. But every pride is Black Pride is different. And I should also tell you, it's not only sweeping in the United States that prides are growing and being renewed. It's happening abroad. Jamaica has two prides. They have a pride in Montego Bay and they have pride in Kingston. Um, Barbados has a black pride. Uh, Suriname has a black pride. Wow. Uh, so, and Uganda has a black pride. So the pride movement is growing because people want a sense of community in the times where we seem like we're under attack yeah. racially and because of our gender, gender expression and, and identity. Um, people want to be around other people who they feel safe around. And that's why pride continues to grow. You know, that's one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to talk to you a little about that. Because I definitely want to find out when it comes to being in this Trump era, um, what's necessary, what's the feeling currently right now throughout uh, America and also abroad uh, when it comes to having the black LGBT and events? Because he's definitely, you know, as far as uh, shunning and turning his back on many, many aspects of just LGBT in general. And then to add on top of that, uh, the type of, people that has to be bringing into his cabinet has not necessarily brought in a lot of comfort for a lot of people of color or um, just LGBT uh, minority groups in general. Um, So I definitely want to kind of find out when it comes to that, has that been any sort of an effect or has it been an effect in terms of more uh, community support at this particular time? I think it has had an effect. And I think that, one of the things that happened after the election, obviously I did not support Donald Trump for president. And um, when I woke up the next day after election, I decided that I was not gonna sit passively by and watch this man undo um, President Obama's legacy and, and, and undo a progressive legacy that's been developing in our country. And that basically is that everyone is protected, everyone has equal access to the institutions of our society. Uh, regardless of their color, their race, their, their gender expression, their gender ID, their, their immigration, immigrant status. And, and all these things are coming under attack and will continue to be under attack in the next few years. So Black Prides allow our community to identify those people who are potential voters, um, who are potential, potential um, uh, uh, candidates, we have many more black LGBTQ people running and winning all over the country. We have two trans, uh, transgender members of our community in Minneapolis who are a city council, one's a trans man and one's a trans woman who are both black. Um, 
these are opportunities. Sometimes, you know, black folks, we're used to taking things that are taking lemons and making lemonade. Right. And this is one of those opportunities where it allows us to organize, allows us to, you know, we, I think we took a lot of things for granted. We, we were comfortable under Obama. We thought it was going to continue and realized that um, Trump has stacked the courts. They're, the judges are a little more conservative. And, and, the, and the thing that happened with the cake, cake, uh, case in um, Colorado, they're going to be more very, very close decisions that are going to impact our rights as, as black folks and as, 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 as LGBTQ folks. So Black Pride allows us an opportunity to, to organize. And, and the Black Pride organize, organizers, although most of them are 501c3s, you still can educate people on issues. And many of the Black Prides are, are taking, undertaking that and doing things beyond the Black Pride. We have almost, last year, almost 350,000 people attended Black Pride. Wow. Most of these are adults. Wow. Um, if, you know, we want to see every one of those people register to vote, and we want to see all 350,000 people, those people vote. And in some communities, that's going to make a difference. If you, if, you think about, if you think about it, Hillary Clinton lost three states by 70,000 votes. But but I'm actually kind of curious about that. When it comes to the number of voters within the LGBT itself, um, what is the num- what are those numbers like? You know, it's really hard to say because we don't have a way of capturing those voters. We don't have no way of capturing those demographics. Right. Um, when you register to vote, you don't say your race or anything like that. And even in the census, the uh, Trump administration has removed the question about whether you are LGBT. And even we won't even know in the next census if this continues how many people in the country who are LGBT of color. We, you know, these are things that we were starting to find out at the last administration. The last time there was a census, which was uh, ten years ago, will be ten. It was, was not ten years, eight years ago. We had more information, so it's very difficult to capture demographic information. And especially since Black LGBT people, we don't live in a concentrated neighborhood in a particular state or community. We're usually dispersed within the black population. So how do you differentiate between a black straight person and a black gay person? It's hard. All you can do is reach out to the people who come, make sure they're voted, encourage them to vote, encourage them to understand the issues, encourage them to have a relationship with their elected officials, and continue that messaging about because we have to be responsible for the development of our own communities and we can't allow other people to dictate how that's going to be. So we have to be educated and knowledgeable. And I see in my travels, I see people, especially younger people who are much more involved in the community, who join organizations, uh, civic organizations, who want to see their community improve and want to have a voice in their community. And Black Pride is part of that scenario of making sure this happens. You know, I, I am kind of curious when it comes to is that something that you believe that we should be able to capture that data, considering the fact that we're not going to necessarily receive the support of our, our government? Well, you know, there is an acknowledgement within the, the, the Democratic Party, which is the party that most black folks belong to. And, and, I'm a, uh, and I should say, I'm going to put my other hat on for a moment, but I'm a, I'm a member of the Democratic Party and I'm a member of the Democratic National Committee. And I'm the chair of the LGBT caucus of the Democratic Committee, and I'm on the executive committee. And one of the things that I remind Democrats is that gay people vote, and we know that they vote, but we have some statistics in some states. We know that gay people vote. 
democratic and black gay people vote even more democratically. Yes. And the fact that when, when, when you do your election outreach, you need to go to these prides. You know they're going to make it have a presence of black pride. You, you need to um, focus on black voters and those voters who are definitely going to the polls. Uh, and I think that we need more research, and that costs money. And I'm, I'm pushing the party to do more research. Um, matter of fact, I'm at an executive committee meeting today in Rhode Island. And one of the things I'm going to be pushing is to that we, we put some money and do some um, polling and some research so that we can get a sense of where our people are and how they're voting and which issues are important to them. Because over the last 10 years, the black LGBT vote has emerged as a separate voting block that needs to be tracked and needs to be encouraged and needs to be supported. Now, when it comes to the emergence of these new pride events going across America, what have, what have you been educating those who are forming those new events in those cities? What has been the biggest lessons that... Uh, some of the predecessors in other cities have been passing down to some of the new guys coming up? Well, that's a very excellent question. And we once, one of the things we do is that we identify new members, uh, or new prides. We're, you know, we're always getting calls about people doing pride. And I want to add that Cincinnati is restarting their pride, too. One of the things that we do, we have an annual meeting at the Center for Black Equity every spring, brings together and we, we get some sponsorship and we bring all these prize them together and we pay them to, we pay their airfare and their hotel and, and feed them so they can get technical assistance and for two days uh, we had an exciting meeting this year in in, um, in April in Baltimore Maryland and Johns Johns Hopkins University hosted us and we we met on their campus and we had probably some of the best meetings we've had in in, in our 20-year history in nearly 20-year history and so we talk about leadership we talk about um, connecting to the community. We talk about programming. We're talking about uh, keeping a board, uh, how to recruit a board, how to keep a board, what are board responsibilities. We talk about new trends in health as far as women's health and HIV, AIDS, and youth health and transgender health. We, 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 one of the things, the biggest lessons for me, and, and I've gone to probably about 250 Black Prides and, and all community prides. I've been to about 250 is that when you start a pride off, have modest goals. You're not, you don't need to host hotel in Lexington, Kentucky. You don't need to host, you don't need to have an over-the-top um, um, reception. I mean, you know, spend a lot of money on entertainment. Um, let the people who do the party promoters do the parties. You don't do parties. Um, you, you let the promoters do the parties and you do the non-party events and make those substantial. You do the uh, opening reception. You have some educational pieces. You're not going to have 20, um, um, 20 um, classes or 20 educational workshops. Have two or three that mean something to the community. Um, develop a volunteer system. This, you know, there's no money in this, so you're not going to be able to pay people, but have good volunteers. Um, cultivate relationships in the community and bring in allies. And many of our allies are, are white allies. And bring them to the table. Bring HRC, your local HRC affiliate, your local... Land the legal affiliate and your, and your task force affiliate and all the local um, equality organization. Every state has one. Bring them to the table and let them table at your events. Um, and that's how start modestly and have a two or three year plan where you want to be. Okay. And so as it has been some of the mistakes of basically party, party, party has been the formula for many and how, <laughs> and how has that worked out for them? 
Well, this is a, this is a, the key. The history of our organization of Black Prides comes from socializing. I, and I, 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 I want to distinguish that the partying. We don't have very many spaces in our country where we can part where we can party or socialize. We have very few gay black bars left. Gotcha. I can probably count them on one hand that are owned by black people and and gay folks in this country. We have very few spaces. Each year, fewer and fewer bars are existing. So it's not like if we do party, that's bad because we need a place to socialize and party. The other community, white gay community, they have lots and lots of bars. They have lots and lots of organizations. They party more. Their pride is nothing but a big festival. So so the fact that we do come together and party is not bad in itself. The fact is we have to do, we are responsible to do more with them when we have them in these party spaces. And the prize to do only parties, you know, many of the prize started off by promoters and there were parties. And they, they morphed into black prides that look like the black prides in D.C. or Atlanta where there's workshops and stuff. And, it, and, and some cities have been an easy progression. Some cities have not been very, it's not been very easy. Um, if you take, for example, Memphis, Tennessee, they had a promoter who did pride for years and it was really a, a social event. And there was nothing wrong with that per se, but it was more social. That promoter, you know, who owned the club, he closed his club and he took a step back. And now the people who have taken over have made it much more of a community um, type or uh, event. And they have broadened their scope and broadened the people who come and broadened the whole community aspects of it. And that takes time, but it also takes intentionality. So how do you bring the people who are over 45 out? How do you bring our youth out? How do you attract the transgender men and women? That takes intentionality and that takes a lot of effort, but it pays off because these are part of our communities that have been often shunned. And if we can't accept everyone in the community, then why would we expect the rest of our the black community to do the same? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, one of the things that also kind of crossed my mind because I do see, uh, it's almost like uh, in some ways competition amongst the prides as well, because some people choose to say, I'm going to stay home and attend this pride, or I'm going to fly out and go attend that pride instead. And is that something that I guess that is, is uh, healthy for the black, uh, for the black pride movement? Or is it, is it something that a lot of people are beginning to just simply take notes and see exactly how can they adapt to make things better for their own city? Well, you know what? Um, let's take an example. Let's look at the, the, the community pride. They're over in the United States. There are over 200 community prides, wow. not including Black prides. So if I live in Wilmington, Delaware, or Raleigh, North Carolina, I can go to New York Pride, which is in a couple of weeks, which is a huge pride, or San Francisco Pride, or Chicago Pride, or the gigantic prides that take place. Or and or and I could go to my local pride. You know. I think the fact that black, the black LGBTQ community has choices is a good thing. So you can stay in your own town and you can go to Charlotte Pride if you want to, or you can go down to Atlanta, or you can do both, or you can come to D.C., you can come to the, uh, Houston. You don't have to have, go to one Pride. You can go to three or four. And I know people who go to five or six Prides a year because they just like, they have friends, they like the flavor. Um, some Prides are uh, gender more of a uh, easier to meet people. Um, and so we have choices now that we didn't have before. And as a prize, we have about 43 prides in the United States. I can see prides developing in Milwaukee, Denver, and some other places where there's small black populations. But Texas has three prides. North Carolina has two prides. 
people want their own community. They have their own vision for their own community. So you have as many as you can support and you can visit others. And I encourage the organizers, especially new ones, to visit the other cities that are more established so you can get an idea of what it is take to logistically to pull this off. Now, you know what I've also noticed when it comes to the age, the average age of Pride attendees, What do you know exactly what the average age is? Well, we have done, I, I can give you some snapshots. Okay. Um, we, the, the Center for Black Equity and the University of Pittsburgh uh, just completed a year ago a five-year um, survey of black gay men. Uh, 6,000 black gay men were over 6,000 because that's the final number was less than 6,000. But around 6,000 black gay men were um, interviewed. They did a health survey, um, basically focused on HIV AIDS, but also other health issues and other determinants of health. Um, and we did it in Philadelphia, DC, Atlanta, Houston. Um, we went to Memphis one year and we went to Detroit. And we did it for, for five years. And one of the things we, we realized that the average age of the attendees, of the male attendees, were 28 years old. So, and so we can ascertain and, and this, you know, visually match that up with what I see when I go to Pride. And that makes about sense. That makes, uh, for if the average age is in the, in the 20s, in the mid-20s, mid to late 20s, um, it's, it's, and and that but that brings a challenge. So if the average age is twenty eight, what happens to people who are over forty, yes. and what happens to people who are under eighteen? And what we have done in D.C., for example, is that we have a special we have a we have a um, a special party of house music in the middle of the afternoon on Saturday afternoon at our host hotel. And since house music is, is the official anthem of people kind of over forty. Um, who remember house music, although younger people go, and it's really geared towards older people who don't want to be out at two or three o'clock in the morning, Right. but they can do something on Saturday afternoon. Right. And so they can party just from 3.30 to 7.30, they can party until they drop. Okay, okay, because that, that was a little bit of a concern. It was a concern because of the fact that I know a lot of events are now popping up, uh, servicing specifically the mature, um, older uh, LGBT, whether uh, whether that be a, a male or female, uh, they're kind of servicing specifically for them. And in some cases, uh, destination type of events and festivals. We just had an event not that long ago, the LGBT Music Fest uh, down in uh, Punta Cana, uh, Dominican right. Republic. So, and they're specifically going towards you know those who are a professional, mature. Uh, adults now, even right. though you have even magazines now are now gearing specifically towards that that lane. And so, it, for me, for a minute there, it was appearing as though they were not being serviced by those type of events. Well, and 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 that is probably that the perception is that they're not being serviced. And, you know, this is a, this is an issue within not just the the LGBT community, but in the American culture. The whole the whole thing is that when you reach a certain age, you're too old. Yeah, and um, and no one tells you you're too old. No one says, "Oh my God, you're too old." But peer pressure is like, why are you hanging out with those young kids? Because it's not, a lot of times you want to mingle around people, your own peers. And if you're 45 years old, you're not going to go to a hip hop party if there are only 22 year olds there. Right. So, so how do we create spaces for everybody? Which is 
you know, and we try to do that with, with our open reception. One of the things we do with our open reception, we we have we it's it's an open bar, more like we give you tickets and it's an open bar, and everyone likes it, and that appeals to everybody, old older people, younger people, you know, long term of drinking age, everyone can come to the bar and get something to eat and listen to some to music that's basically more even keeled that every, that appeals to everybody. It takes intentionality. Right. It takes intentionality. And one of the things we talk about our, our annual meeting is how we're working with AARP to how to make our prides more um, age-friendly. Ah, oh, that's... Yeah, that's the... We're working with HRP because this is the thing. College, what pride has become is like a college campus. You know, every four years, every year, there's a whole a group of freshmen coming in. And so, you know, the college campus is almost eternal youth because there's always young people around because they come in and go, and they come in and go, and they come and they go. Right. Well, what happens to when they leave, where do they go? And so, and so people stop going out. And my friends have told me, I don't want to go out because they're all nothing but kids out there. and They're fighting, and the music is, is not the music I like and whatever. So, and we hear that. So how do we make our space more welcoming um, to people who are over 40s by creating other spaces. And uh, the same thing with women. We have uh, women, you know, all, not all women want to go to the same uh, party. Right. Well, yeah, I can see that. I can, well, that, that I, I can also see that because of the fact that sometimes it also appears as though it's more men or male dominated than anything else. Well, it depends on where you go because the reality is is that in D.C., for example, in Atlanta and those kind of places, they're, they're women's parties. They're, they're women's events. Okay. They're women's events and they're men's events. And in those places, the problem we have is how do we get the men and the women to come together at least for once? So, so, so every turn is a challenge. And that's why the Center, the Center for Black Equity, we try to help the prize meet the challenge because our communities are all the same. Now, in Lexington, Kentucky, the men and women will party together. Nice. And when you go down south, there's more a, a tendency in the smaller cities for men and women to party together because they have no choice. Gotcha. gotcha. When you go to the bigger cities where there's used to more, uh, every, you know, there's the, the professional guys and there's the older men who are professional and the, old, and the professional men who are younger, they all want their own space. And you can do that um, because you have more spaces and you have more people who can organize that. But, you know, every city is different. But we understand the challenge. And then let's, let's, let's take a page for the transgender community. We actually had um, a, a, a town hall meeting, our first town hall meeting of the transgender community, and it was was packed. Um, how do we create spaces? Because the transgender community said that they're not welcome at any of the parties because they don't see anyone who looks like them. Wow. So that, that, and that does kind of break up an interesting question. How does that get serviced and on top of that when you look at the the budgets to to be able to pull all this off uh what's considered <laughs> to be reasonable uh for a first timer uh and what's considered to be reasonable for someone who's been doing it for the past 10 years well you know it depends on where you are it depends on where you are the fact of the matter is most of our, almost I, all the black prize are underfunded gotcha. um as, as are most black institutions Let's be if we let's be honest. Black HBCUs are underfunded. Where you but the, this is a, the joy and the imagination of, of the of the black mind. We are used to being able to take nothing into making it into something. Right. So if you can if you as a as first pride and you're in a smaller city and you can come up with fifteen, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, you can pull a pride off. If you're in a medium sized city, 
you could probably do twenty-five to thirty thousand and pull it off. Um, the sky's the limit. Atlanta's they're, they're they have a huge budget because they have a park. They do a park event where fifty thousand people come to. So they have thought tens. They they need to raise tens of thousands of dollars. One of the things that we're moving in the CB the CBE is we're trying to work with corporate sponsors to 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 educate them on our market. If you have 350,000 people who don't go to Community Pride, so they always say, well, we give money to Community Pride. I say, well, that's not us. If you go to Community Pride, you don't see us. So if you're interested in black folks, we know from marketing data, we're more brand loyal. We buy more high-end things consistently, whether we should or not, but we still do that. Right. And we, if you come to a black pride, these people are going to support you. That's what we do because we're so glad to see uh, brands there that identify themselves with us and we support them. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's doing pride is, is it has a, it's a labor of love because you don't get any money from it. Um, you don't get enough support from the community because the community is not, the pockets aren't as deep as some other communities. Right. And, 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 and by nature, black folks, we're skeptical. <laughs> uh, uh, what what skepticism do you normally hear? Oh, I can't believe those. They're not going to be able to pull that off. Or um, I'm going to give you an example. You know, we used to have a number of, of, of black LGBTQ magazines over the years. Yes. And and people would subscribe to them, and they go out of business, and, and they wouldn't get their money back because there's no money to give back. Yeah. Um, yet... Every time, every once in a while, a new magazine comes out and people, and people still subscribe to it. Because, and they complain about subscribing and they say things like, oh, I know I'm not going to get my money out of this, but I got to support it. The fact of the matter is we have, no support, we have no choice but to support black LGBTQ entrepreneurship because we have so little of it. And one of the things that I want to see Black Pride work with, and, and the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce is very open to this, how do we... So how do we support and foster entrepreneurship in our LGBTQ spaces. Because the fact of the matter is, we don't have money to give that way because we don't have the businesses to generate those kind of funding, like some of the, in the, like in the white community. And we have to, and, and this is a generational thing, it's not gonna happen overnight, but the fact of the matter is, is that we have to encourage business. We have encouraged, because the only way that black trans people are going to be ever hired if we hire them ourselves, the, the, the truth be told. And that is actually true. You're absolutely right on that. Because we keep expecting someone to swoop down and do something. We have to swoop down and do it ourselves. Well, I mean, I, I think, and that's what the part that I don't seem to understand in terms of, you know, that belief. We, we can't, there's nobody else to really depend on at this particular point. Uh, so we really have no other, no other options. Now, I know there was um, some time ago, some, you know, a, when it comes to advertisers, because, you know, that pretty much helps to fuel and to finance a lot of these uh, pride events. And I guess I'm not sure I have a lot of finance, have a lot of uh, advertisers. Have they been reluctant to give or have they, we've been kind of changing things in terms of finding the smaller business guy versus the larger corporations to receive support from? That's a good question. I think most prides are funded by HIV AIDS dollars. Most prides get the bulk of their money from pharmaceutical companies, um, HIV/AIDS um, um, organizations, and 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 some white um, 
businesses, the white gay LGBT businesses. Um, what to do corporate sponsor, for example, we have 43 prides. I'm speaking to a corporation and I'm trying to sell the prides and, you know, and get a bunk, get a chunk of money, which we get from time to time as I can divide it up. The reality is they may say to me, you know, I don't want Lexington, Kentucky, but I want Memphis. I want, I want, I only want to do Houston, DC, Atlanta, and Philadelphia and Detroit because those are the bigger ones and they draw a bigger crowd. And I, you know, I don't have the, you know, I don't want to be everywhere. I can't, it's logistically, it's hard for me to be everywhere. Yes. Um, but if I do those prides, um, I'll, you know, I'll give you some money. And I, of course I say yes. And what I do is I take some of that money and I give it to some of the smaller prides. They may, you know, I may be only be able to give them $500 or a thousand dollars, but I give them something yes. because we're all in it together. Gotcha. Um, and and so using being trying to be imaginative, and trying to figure out how to, uh, and being and also I travel a lot. I'm, I I went to the I'm the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. I'm there pushing the buttons. I'm on the board of the International Gay Level Gay and Lesbian Travel Association, and I got them to publish our calendar. Wow. Okay. For example. Awesome. awesome. Uh, so and 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 I'm an equal. I know the people who run out and equal. Um, I'm I'm in the DNC. I'm always pushing the prize um, because I understand that I'm the one that's uh, representing them, and that these these pride organizers they're volunteers. They all have full time jobs. Every one of them, and I know every one of them. They all have full time jobs, and sometimes full time jobs and families and school and all this stuff. And how they pull this off every year is beyond me. Wow. I I. I, I I, I'm I'm infu I'm infused by their energy because when we have our annual meeting and they tell the struggles they have to deal with and how they manage to pull these prides off, it's actually encouraging to me, and that's why I do everything I can to bring as much resources and funding and, and opportunities as I can to build these prides up. Now you know when it comes to a lot of there's still a lot of black products that are especially when it comes to beauty products there's tons of companies out there that are black owned and they actually have a certain amount of um we have a certain a certain amount of dominance in certain fields and uh, i just mentioned products beauty prize is one of them but there are also others when it comes to designers etc do you find those particular companies ever coming out to really bring more attention to their product in some of the prides across america um, on a minimum scale, I think that in the, in, in the scheme of the big picture, I say, I don't, my perception is that there are not that many of those companies are owned by blacks anymore. Gotcha. Um, because, because a lot of those, uh, those the beauty products have been sold to larger conglomerates, gotcha. as has been explained to me. And secondly, the, the style, people who do fashion and those things, you know, most of those people are struggling too. We, it's not like we have a whole crop of success. Now, in some cities, they do have those relationships. Gotcha. Um, but, but on a national um, um, radar, uh, now, based on what you're saying, I will have someone look into that and see if those are things are possible. Um, but the, what I want the pride to, every, every pride city has a foundation, a community foundation. Okay. Every, almost every major city has a community foundation. And that community foundation supports um, organizations and mostly nonprofits who are doing things within certain underserved communities. And, and I know like in Pittsburgh and in DC and, and, and Baltimore and in Philadelphia, the community foundation supports the pride. 
And it, it can't be one strategy. As, as we develop a business strategy, and we're doing that, um, and, and we continue to grow, and the products become more diversified, we have to – what I'm trying to do is have the products, have, a, have the products, have a good product. Gotcha. That's my energy. So that when I can sell, I can sell good products. If you have a tight pride, I'm going to sell your pride. Cincinnati pride, this is their first year in a long time, but I know the people organize it. I know it's going to be tight. I can, I can put Cincinnati on the list. I know that in Detroit and Palmer Park on, on Hodge of July, 10,000 people are going to be at the park. I know that's going to happen. Gotcha. And there's going to be vending and you're going to have tables and you have to bring your own table and chairs. I'm trying to improve the product. So I can sell the product. And once I and we're getting there, and we're and prides. People complain about prides, and some prides are not where they are should be. But we know who those prides are, and we're working with them. Gotcha, gotcha. Internationally, I think uh, I remember some time ago, a couple of years ago, I believe I spoke to the organizer for the Paris uh, LGBT, but Black. I believe I believe it was Paris. Um, and so I want, I'm basically what's coming on in terms of internationally. Are they also growing over there as well? Are you, are, is it finding to be uh, a lot more welcome in comparison to U.S.? Um, it's interesting. It's different. In the U.K., um, their pride is, has blossomed. I think their pride is approaching their 10th year. I went a couple times a few years ago. I, I have to go probably next year. Paris pride is in the third year, and I am going. Um, I've gotten re- reports back from people who've been. They are. Uh, it's it's all we're all in the same boat. We're trying to de- develop safe spaces. Whether you're in Uganda or whether you are in Paris or London or Suriname or South Africa or the United States, we're all we're all black folks. We're from the same roots. We all have the same needs. And what happens over in in, in Europe, for example, and even in in, in, in the Caribbean and Africa. People come out for a day, and then they go back in. You don't see them the rest of the year. That's their coming out. They they go back to their communities. Uh, they go back to their families. And many of their I know people in your in uh, London who are who are professionals who are not out publicly who live with their families. Gotcha. Um, I know of a pride in the Caribbean where they do a flash pride. They they show up in a spot and walk around and, and with their signs and their shirts. And then they jump in the cars before people realize what happened and go to another spot and do the same thing. Um, people's lives, with the exception of Paris and London, um, people's lives are in danger of just being gay. It, it, to a certain extent in the United States, but not like it is in Africa or in the Caribbean. And the fact that those people are willing to risk their lives and their futures and their families to be public is something that inspires me. It's something that helps fuel my energy because we have a, we're pretty lucky here. We complain. It could be better, obviously, but we don't have to worry about our every day. Someone, if, if we, someone finds out that they're going to kill us wow. just because we're gay. And, and so, the, 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 you know, in Europe, it's, it's obviously, there's not a whole lot of places where a lot of black folks are, but one of the things that are happening in, 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 in Europe, which also will be a seed for black pride. So maybe in, in, in uh, the Netherlands, and maybe in Germany and maybe in Belgium, is the fact that the, the house ball community is developing there. And it's not all just black people. There are whites involved in too. Um, and there are people who are actually going out and creating extensions of houses, the house ball community in Europe. Yes. And 
And I think, and that's actually one of the roots of the of the of the pride in Paris is the houseball community. And there's houseball communities developed in Berlin and other and in um, you know, like I said, the Amsterdam. I can see Black Pride taking place in those places. That actually does make sense. It makes a lot of sense for that to for that really to now. But but wait a minute, has previous prize kind of in, inserted the balls within the prize a lot through the throughout the years? Um, it depends on where you are. Um, it depends. It depends. You know, some places the ball, the ball community is stronger than others. Gotcha. Um, this year in D.C., we um, after you know our twenty the first time in our twenty year history, we included the the house ball in our hotel. Um, during Pride. Wow, and so uh, to me, it actually does make sense for for that, and especially with uh, the balls <laughs> getting uh, even a show, I believe on FX, I believe Pose. Right, right, so, exactly. So the, to ride the wave right now does seem to make sense, especially with the, when it comes to the media. Now, you know, I I sometimes you know kind of see that the cert, certain type of personalities need to be the, be the head. <laughs> <laughs> to be kind of be kind of get help things grow. The type of person, what is the type of personalities in order to kind of really get this together to make it gel? Because sometimes you have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Well, you know that's a, that's a kind of a, a cultural black cultural uh, nuance that you have to work through. You know, when you talk about personality, it depends. I've, we've had you know when you look at our meeting and you see people who are teachers and and people who are students, and we have all kinds of people, some very effeminate guys, some houseball people, some promoters. Um, the personality is a person who's, who, has, who can listen, who can invite people in and work well with people, and, and who has a vision um, that, that hopefully reflects the vision of the community. Um, I don't know what I think. I don't know what kind of personality. I can't say there's one personality trait. Is that you have to be a person of integrity. Um, you have to be a, a dreamer and the visionary, and you have to be a leader. And then one of the things we teach people is leadership. We spent a lot of time this past meeting talking about leadership. What leadership means? Leadership doesn't mean you're bossing people around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're not doing piece work in a factory. It's not. This is not. You know. <laughs> you're not. You're not screwing on things. It's not. You're not making cars. This leadership in our community is. You know. It comes has a lot of connotation. Um, it comes from the combination of church. It comes from the fraternities and sororities. Uh, it comes from. Um, uh, you know. Leadership is 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 something that we. Not everyone is born with, no one's born with leadership. You have to learn leadership. And what we're trying to do is teach them the right way. We have people who, who are um, subject matter experts in leadership and organizational development and talking to people and making themselves available. One of the things that we, we're going to uh, implement very soon, um, we're going to have all the people who are part of our um, network are going to be given mentors. Wonderful. That is wonderful. And, and um, and I, I mentor about ten people now, and we're going to spread it out a little bit. We're going to have mentors, and we're going to, um, you know, we're going to give a mentor a couple people who they can work together, um, and and this this will be available to call because most times people just want to hear. So when I talk to a Black Pride organizer, I know I'm going to be on the phone for two hours. <laughs> I know I'm going to be on the phone for two hours. <laughs> I, I know that, and so be, and and, it's not, and I don't have to do it all the time, but I know, but I want to have 
then have access to mentoring and problem solving um, because most problems that these people have can be resolved a lot differently than sometimes they are. They are. I mean, if you catch them at the beginning. I, I do want to know exactly what's your thoughts on pride for the next five years. Pride for the next five years. Well, that will, that will take through uh, another presidential election. Okay. Um, I think as we start to understand and start thinking the, the language of inclusion and looking at and, and not forgetting those people who are over 40 and not forgetting those people who are under 18 and the transgender community, and we truly start redefining what community looks like and get comfortable around one another, um, I think pride will be, I think pride will continue to grow and expand. And I think it will mean, and you know, one of the things you have to consider is when you go to some of the smaller cities, like you look in Lexington, Kentucky, or you look at uh, some of the, you know, uh, 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 Memphis, which is not a big city, but it's a smaller city. The pride voice is the only voice for the black gay community. So it's not just putting on an event. It's putting, it's, it's actually being relevant throughout the year. And, and so that, and so if you're relevant throughout the other, the year, when you get to pride, it's a combination of a year's work. And, and so I see pride becoming much more relevant in the day-to-day -day activities of, 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 of our community. And I would say that the Center for Black Equity will be more of a lifestyle organization along the, uh, along the order of the AARP or a AAA or one of those kind of uh, organizations that we will not be impacting people's lives on Black Pride Weekend, but throughout the whole year. And one of the things we're looking at is developing that kind of platform that people come, that Black LGBT people everywhere in the world will come to our website and be able to purchase products, understand the issues, interact with one another in a safe space, in a secure space. President and CEO of Center for Black Equity, Mr. Earl Folks Jr. Thank you so much for coming to Brother Speed Podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people have definitely become a little more educated. And, and definitely what I'll do is send out some information uh, regarding to where you can actually go, which is the centerforblackequity.org. Is that correct? That's correct. And they can also find your information there. So I'll definitely make sure all of your social media, the website, etc., is included in the podcast. Again, thank you so much, Mr. Earl, folks. And this is Chris from Brother Speed Podcast signing off. You guys have a wonderful day. Thank you. One last thing, guys. Remember, go ahead and follow us on Instagram, which is Brother Speak Pod. Tweet us, Brother Speak Pod. And yes, Facebook. Guess what? Brother Speak Pod again. You become a follower. Let me know exactly what your comments are. Tell me what the things you want to hear. I would love to make sure we put those things on the show. Thank you again for following. And thank you again for listening to Brother Speak Podcast.